Thank you for listening. If we continue to celebrate Thrive's seventh anniversary, we are so excited. This podcast started the fourth week of the year, which means that there was three weeks this year of sermons that were never aired on this podcast. Let's continue the celebration this week, and today we're going to be listening to one of those three sermons. Sit back and enjoy. All right, well, hello, everybody. So good to see all of you today here. Uh, at church. Everybody listening online up in Torrington and New Britain, welcome. Wonderful to be here with all of you here today. So this week, Judah's taking the week off, and he asked me to fill in. And uh, we're continuing the series that he started on resilience, the practices of the Christian life that strengthen us and build an ability within us to withstand whatever comes our way. The first week, Judas spoke on the definition of resilience, how through our faith in Jesus Christ, we can remain standing when difficulty comes our way, and how the troubles that arise in our lives can be an opportunity for us to get closer to God. We're not promised an easy life in the Bible, but God has promised to be with us and help us and strengthen us. And last week, Judah preached on the practice of fasting and how denying our flesh can serve to bring us closer to God and to build resilience within us to overcome the desires of our flesh and to focus our desires on Jesus Christ. And fasting is something that has worked very powerfully in my life. I was able to see that I didn't need to be ruled by the desires of my body and to rely on Christ who died for me. And I want to encourage you in whatever you may be fasting. And today, we're going to be talking about gaining resilience through prayer. We're going to jump around the Bible a bit and talk about cultivating resilience. Praying to the God of all creation, the only one in whom there is no equal in heaven or on earth. We're going to look at some of the heroes of the faith and how they prayed and how even faithful people made some bad choices when they didn't think to consult with God. And my definition of prayer is this, and you can jot it down in your notes, the simple act of talking to God. I looked at some other definitions, but when you break it down, that's what it means, at least in Christianity. You tell God what he means to you, you discuss your life with him, the choices you need to make, and the problems that you have. The things that you need. It's nothing that we need to complicate and nothing that we need to take too seriously with our words. So why should we pray? We pray because we're not perfect. I know I'm not far from it. We don't have everything figured out. We don't know what's coming down the line, but God does. Who would have thought that 2020 was coming and what is going to be like it was? God did. He knows the end from the beginning. And we need God's help in this life, and he always intended us to be in constant fellowship with him. In any need you have, God always intends you to go to him in prayer first. So how should we pray? That's a good question. And it's a question that a disciple asked in the Gospel of Luke. 
It says in Luke 11, 1, that one of Jesus' disciples noticed Jesus praying and said, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And Jesus gave him an outline that is typically called the Lord's Prayer. He, gave, he also gave an example in the Sermon on the Mount. So it's in both Matthew and in Luke. And Luke uses the word sin, and Matthew's the word, Matthew uses the word debt to describe sin. So I've kind of combined them both together. And it says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and glory forever. Amen. So we come out first and we acknowledge our Heavenly Father as Lord and Creator of all things. We put Him in His proper place as Lord and King with the understanding that His power is limitless. It's not constrained by our thoughts and by our feelings. And we're praying to God Almighty. And we express a desire to see God's kingdom grow. Here at Thrive Church, we're, we're trying to reach the world in this area so they come to Jesus Christ. We express a desire to do what God wants us to do while we're here on earth and to see his will be done. We ask God for provision in order to live our daily lives. We need food, money, our health, etc. And then we ask him for forgiveness of our sins. And I want to encourage you to be honest with God. As you pray with him, he'll bring sins to mind that he wants you to confess and to repent of. So confess and ask forgiveness from him and repent. And I guarantee your life will be changed awesomely. And we forgive others the sins they have committed against us and release the debt they owe us to God. As we have been forgiven a great amount, so we must also forgive. And I know some of you have been hurt, and it's a hard thing to do, to forgive sometimes. And I humbly encourage you on that. I personally have been through a lot this past year. And I encourage you to forgive because it releases you from being imprisoned to that. We ask God to help us to live an upright and holy life to keep us from falling into temptation. And God put that there so that when we're tempted, we go to him for help, and we don't try to resist on our own. We ask God to deliver us from the sins that, sins that enslave us and deliverance from those that mean evil against us. And then we acknowledge God's ability to do all these things for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And that's not in all versions of the Bible that you see. In some of the newer ones, it's not in there. But I think it's a wonderful portion because it brings us back to the place we should be where we put God as Lord of all. It's his kingdom. And he has all power and all glory. And he has the ability to answer our prayers. The Lord's Prayer is a blueprint 
It's simple, it's straightforward, and it's meant to show us who we're praying to and that we should pray for everything when you think about it. So let's go to the Old Testament for an example of a faithful person who relied on God and prayed often. Some of you guys may have heard of Daniel before, hopefully many of you. He was a man from the Old Testament who was a man of prayer. And we first learn about him right after the southern kingdom of Judah had been taken captive by the Babylonians. Daniel was one of the most gifted young men of the people of Judah. And because of this, he was taken to the court of the king of Babylon, King Nebuchadnezzar. And in Daniel chapter 1, verses 3 through 8, it tells us why. It says, The king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace and whom they might teach the language and the literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them a provision of the king's delicacies and wine of which he drank in three years of training for them so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. Now from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So Daniel, from the time he was taken to Babylon, was placed in the king's court in order to learn the ways of the Chaldeans, the Babylonians. Basically, they took the best and the brightest in order to brainwash them. And the first time prayer was mentioned in the book of Daniel was when the king had issued a decree for the wise men in the kingdom to be put to death. And the reason for this order was that the king had terrifying dreams which he could not explain and which kept him from falling asleep. So he called all the wise men of the kingdom, including the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans, which in this part of the Bible, the Chaldeans would be referring to the highly educated class of Babylon. And not one of these people could tell the king his dream or interpretation and only offered excuses as to why they couldn't. It says in Daniel 2, For this reason the king was angry and very furious and gave the command to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree went out and they began killing the wise men. And they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. So Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time that he might tell the king its interpretation. Then Daniel went to his house and made the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they might seek mercies from the God of heaven concerning this secret, so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. So Daniel and his friends got together and they prayed. And God gave Daniel the interpretation in a dream at night. And he and his companions along with all the wise men of Babylon, were saved from death. And because of this, because God gave him that, because he went to God in prayer instead of being killed, Daniel was promoted. The king bowed down to Daniel, a slave boy from Judah. 
And he gave thanks to God and gave Daniel many honors and gifts. And he was made ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief over all the wise men. His companions who prayed along with him were also promoted. And Daniel went on to serve King Nebuchadnezzar and interpreted other dreams for him and served him faithfully. And two kings later, when King Darius became king over Babylon, it says in Daniel 6, verse 3, that Daniel became distinguished above all the high, other high officials and provincial governors because an excellent spirit was within him. He was a hard worker, and he ruled wisely. So the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. And this didn't go well with the officials and governors. And even though there was no error or fault in Daniel, they tried to find a way to make him fall. They were jealous of him. And in Daniel 6, 5, it says, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. So not only was Daniel a rise ruler, he was also completely faithful to God, and they knew it. So they got together and came up with a plan to get rid of Daniel, to kill him. And they went to King Darius and convinced him to make a law that all people should worship only the king alone, King Darius, for 30 days. So he decided that this was a good idea, and he wrote into law that anyone who violated this law would be cast into a den of lions, given a horrible death sentence, and that there was no way, once King Darius wrote down his signature, gave his stamp of approval, to overturn this law. The men who had convinced the king to make this law went and then told the king about Daniel. They knew he would be praying, and they knew where to find him. He did it daily, and he didn't hide it. And it says in Daniel 6.10, after Daniel found out that the document had been signed, that he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber, which were open toward Jerusalem, he got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before God as he had done previously. Daniel didn't change anything. And when the king found out, it broke his heart because he knew Daniel was a faithful servant. Faithful enough for Darius to put him in charge over the whole kingdom. But he couldn't violate this order. And he had Daniel thrown into the lion's den. A stone was rolled across it and it was sealed with the king's seal, which was not to be broken. And he left Daniel with this word before closing him in. He said, may your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. And to quickly finish up the story, God closed the mouths of the lions that night, and he saved Daniel. All the rulers who wanted Daniel killed were instead thrown into the lion's den with all their family members. And the Bible says that they didn't even hit the ground before they were killed by the lions. And Daniel knew that in violating the law, he would be thrown into the lion's den. But he didn't care 
He believed and he trusted in God and he would continue to. He remembered God's faithfulness in all the situations he went through. So as he had always done, he went and he prayed. And it's worth noting that Daniel never hid his faith. And that's in your notes. He had boldness to stand in God at all times, but he was well regarded by those who he served. He served God first, then he served the king, but always without violating his faith, even if it would get him in trouble. And there was another old man, or another man, old man, maybe. <laughs> There's another man in the Old Testament named Asa. In 2 Chronicles 14, Asa became king of the southern kingdom of Judah. And this is prior to the time that we just read about in Daniel. And he turned the people of Judah back to the Lord. It says he was faithful. And this is well before the events of Daniel. After a time of peace, after he had done all of this, an army of one million men, one million and 300 chariots came from the land of Cush, from Ethiopia, to fight against Judah. Now Judah only had an army of 470,000, which to me sounds like a lot. But they were outnumbered two to one, and they didn't have any heavy artillery. They didn't have any chariots. So Asa did the only thing that made sense. He asked God for help. In verse 11 and 12, it says, Asa cried to the Lord his God, O Lord, there is none like you. Between the mighty and the weak, help us, O Lord, our God, for we rely on you. And in your name we have come against this multitude. O Lord, you are God. Let not man prevail against you. So the Lord defeated the Ethiopians before Asa and before Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. Now this is a wonderful thing. In his time of great need, Asa was faithful to God. In bringing Judah to repentance, in removing the idols, he prayed to God in faith and God answered his prayer. However, in the last years of King Asa, he forgot about the power and the might of God and the willingness of God to help him. The nation of Israel was divided into two separate kingdoms at this time. The army in the army of the northern kingdom of Israel came against the southern kingdom of Judah. And instead of going to God in prayer, he came up with a plan. King Asa decided to pay their allies, who were the Syrians, silver and gold from the temple treasuries so they would break their allegiance and fight for him against the northern kingdom. He never asked God if he should do it, though. He forgot about the God who saved him in the past, and he took matters into his own hands. And this is where I'm going with this. For us to become and remain resilient, we must constantly be in prayer. I don't mean that we need to set up a schedule and religiously pray so many times a day, though it worked very well for Daniel. And if it works for you, I encourage you to do that. But when something comes up and we need to make some decision, we need to pray before acting at all times. Daniel is an example of someone who always prayed and obeyed God, and God acted on his behalf. 
King Asa, on the other hand, started out well. However, he forgot about his Lord. He forgot about what God did for him. Even after a prophet named Hanani rebuked him for what he did, instead of changing his ways, he put the prophet into prison. And the Bible says that in the 39th year of King Asa's reign, he got a disease in his feet and would not even pray for healing. Instead, he went to the doctors. Now, the resilient person always seeks after the Lord in every situation. Daniel remained resilient to the end, Asa, and Asa took his strength in God for a little while. But as he was blessed, he decided he no longer needed God. After all, he had so much money in the temple treasury. He could just bribe the people to help him. Instead of asking God for help when he was sick, he just went to his physicians. He had doctors. He had money. And what did he need God for? And because of this, he was never healed in his feet. And he was at war for the remainder of his reign. So the person who has resilience brings everything before God. Our God is an infinite God who wants to work on our behalf. And in the New Testament, in the book of James, we have this from James 5, verses 13 through 16. And it says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another, and pray for one another, that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. This section of scripture is a call to pray to the only one who could help us. Now, I wish I could tell you that every prayer for healing would be answered, that every plea would be met in the way that we ask. But that is not necessarily the point of praying. And you could jot this down. The point is for you to pray in faith because you know God is able to answer. In 1 John chapter 6, verses 14 and 15, and I'm paraphrasing here, but it says to those who have assurance of salvation that we know God hears us, and if we pray, we know he will answer. We could be confident that he has our petitions. Only the prayer of faith could bring healing. Only the prayer of faith could perform miracles. And if it's God's will, he will answer in the way that you ask. If it is not, he will still answer, but his answer may be no, or his answer may be wait a bit. And it's up to you to let that answer strengthen your faith and build resilience in your life. Now, some of you know, and I guess now that I'm telling you, all of you know, that my father-in-law is nearing the end of his life due to cancer. 
He was diagnosed with a very virulent form of bone marrow cancer 10 years ago, just around the time my son James was born. And though the cancer has recently come back, he had times of remission in the past 10 years. Years that I am confident wouldn't be possible without the prayer of faith to the only one who can answer prayer. God kept him alive, and in that time, he was able to cultivate his relationship with God to one that was beyond religion. And that is something that may not have happened had the illness not come. He was able to build resilience in faith through his increasing relationship with God. He has been here for his wife, his family, his grandkids, and we praise God for this. And we still pray for healing, even though it seems hopeless. And we leave it with God because we know he could do it. And as my father-in-law said, though, a couple weeks ago when we went to go see him, he was just expressing his thanks for everything that God had given him. And he said, not my will, but thy will be done. Excuse me. I want to encourage you to pray at all times and in all circumstances. We have prayed and some people have been healed and some haven't. Cancer is certainly difficult. We know to pray for that and we need to pray for health and we need to pray for healing. But we also need to pray in the simple things. Pray that you will do well in that test you studied so hard for. Pray for a new and a better job. Pray for the salvation of your friends and your family. Pray, please pray for our country <laughs> and our leaders to do the right thing. And the Bible actually instructs us to do that so that we'll live quiet and peaceable lives. Pray over the decisions you need to make. Maybe, maybe a bigger purchase like a car or a house or a lifelong decision, such as choosing your spouse. And put this in your notes. Bring all things to God in prayer and let God guide you. Don't plan on your future without asking God. Bring your plans before him. Jesus Christ, the Lord of all creation, was in constant prayer to our Father in heaven while he was here on earth. As you go through the Gospel of Luke, you will see him praying all the time. He was completely obedient to God the Father and in complete dependence on him, and he prayed for his followers to be faithful and to have strength. And it doesn't end there. After Jesus died for our sins and rose from the dead and wanted to sit at the right hand of the Father, he sent the Helper, the Comforter, the Holy Spirit to dwell with us. 
And it says in Romans 8, verses 26 and 27, that the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we may not know, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. So the Holy Spirit is praying that we may become holy. And when you are tempted in some sin, He's there pleading that you may be strong. And not only that, the Holy Spirit offers us help to get away if we need to, to separate us from that which He knows is going to bring us down. So the Holy Spirit prays for us. And also, Jesus Christ, who's sitting right now at the right hand of the Father, is praying for us still. He didn't stop when he went to go, when he went to take his seat in glory. In Romans 8, verse 34, it says, Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who is raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Jesus Christ is praying for us. And when Satan tries to condemn you and tear you down, Jesus Christ steps in front of him and he pleads on your behalf. And he says, that's my child. I paid the price for them. They're mine. Go away. We pray to God. And God the Holy Spirit and God the Son are praying for us. And how wonderful and how comforting is it to know that. So let's let that knowledge strengthen us and give us hope and build us up this year because He knows what's going to happen tomorrow and He knows what's best for all of us. And let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we could come to you. And Lord, we know that you hear and answer prayer. And we know, Lord, that you love us. We know it because you set your Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us. And he went willingly. Though he prayed to you and asked if there was any other way. And you said no. So Jesus went willingly to the cross. And I pray, Lord, that we would all know the love of Jesus Christ. And if there are any of you here today who have not yet asked Jesus into your heart as Lord and Savior, will you do that today? The Bible says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, and we believe in our hearts that God raised Jesus from the dead, that we will be saved. Today you could have all your sins forgiven you by saying, Jesus, you're my Lord. He already took the punishment. And we encourage you in that. 
Jesus, we thank you for what you have done. We thank you so much for everybody here, for everyone who will listen to this message. And we pray that your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can go and visit us at www.thrive.church. If you're ever in the area, we'd like to invite you to come and join us. Also, if you enjoy the podcast, we encourage you to leave a rating, review, share with your friends and family. Until next time, may you grow deeper in God's word each day.